Man, City Life Church, uh, good to be with you all. Um, welcome everybody in the building and online. It is good to be with you, as Pastor Fred said. Uh, my name is James. I'm a pastor over at, I'm the campus pastor over at our Hampton campus of Freedom Life Church. Um, and I'm just so grateful. Um, I'm thankful for Pastor Fred and Pastor Vanessa for having me. Um, my wife is here. I'm grateful that she joined me. Um, and we even have some folks from FLC, our Freedom Life family, that are joining us today, too. And I'm so grateful for them. Here's what's going to happen, y'all. Um, let me just tell you how it's going to work. I'm going to pray, then I'm going to preach, and then i got to get out of here. Here's why. Uh, I, it's not because I am, you know, a high sedity or a diva or anything like that. But the reality is, is that right after this message, I've got to go to our church at 630 and preach for that service as well. And so, y'all give me some grace. Um, I'm going to make sure that we can have some time just to enjoy God together. And so, let's start and pray together, if that's cool. Father, thank you so much that you love us so much. Thank you, God, that we get an opportunity to rest in your presence, that despite all of our schedules, despite what we need to be doing or what we feel like we need to be doing, God, it's all about you. I pray, God, that we would slow down long enough to just hear from you, to receive from you. Lord, we stand and we sit with a posture of expectation and say, yes, Lord. Whatever you want to do, Lord, we're inviting you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, family, um, again, I'm excited to be here. Let me kind of jump into the scripture that we have tonight. Uh, if you have your Bibles, can you meet me at Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30? Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. We're going to go right there. Here's what it says. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As I thought about this message, and I'm thinking about even the time schedule, what's interesting is that probably a couple months ago, I was watching this YouTube video with one of my daughters and my wife, uh, Kelsey, my middle daughter, and we're watching this uh, video because she loves to see how things are built. And so we're looking at how uh, the, a house was being built, and this house wasn't an ordinary house. This house was a dream house. It was so amazing to just see this house being built. It was so exciting, and they showed us how the house was being built. It was a time lapse of 362 days, and Kelsey is literally, she's sitting on the sofa, and she's in awe, like, oh my gosh, and I'm getting angry, like, oh my God, because I'm looking at their finish line, and it reminded me of all the things that I've left unfinished. It reminded me of all the things that I need to be doing and all the things that I need to get to. It reminds me of the clock that I have in my mind that I've got to go do something. I've got to make something happen. I've got to make something of myself. I've got to be in a hurry. I've got to get there really quickly, and I bring all of my luggage with me when I go. i got to get there. And the reality is many of us are in a hurry in a hurry to get to some magical place, in a hurry to, to hurry up and make something of ourselves. And I know I'm not by myself. In fact, I think that we all have a little bit of hurry in us. In fact, there's something called hurry sickness. 
hurry sickness is this idea that when we are, we are always, it's funny because we're, we're too far behind, we're not yet ahead, we're always in a rush, but we never actually catch up. Anybody ever been in that tension? Like, you just don't, like, I'm never there. It's hurry sickness. And they say that this hurry sickness causes stress, anxiety, causes worry, causes burnout, causes physical pain, relational issues. We're in a hurry. You know, what's interesting is that it's even spiritual. It doesn't just affect us emotionally and mentally, but it affects us spiritually. John Ortberg, who's a a writer, author, also a pastor, he was sitting with his mentor, and as he was talking with his mentor, his mentor, Dallas Willard, said these words, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. He says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now, family, I know that y'all won't admit it, but I'll admit it for you that we're all in a hurry. In fact, here are Ruth Haley Barton. She says that there are, are 10 ways to know whether or not you are in a hurry. Whether or not you're in a hurry. Here it is. Number one, irritability. <laughs> Some of you already know what that means. You're always on edge. No matter what somebody says, no matter what they do, you're just ticked off all the time. Irritable. The second thing is hypersensitivity. You ever feel like you just need to cry at a moment's notice? I just all the time, I'm just sensitive towards everything. Uh, Then there's restlessness. No matter how peaceful things are, you can't even find rest in restful places. You're restless. Number four is workaholism, nonstop activity. Like that's your drug of choice is working too much. There's emotional numbness, that you are so numb to what you're feeling that you have no ability to feel with others. Number six is escapist behavior. I'm guilty of this all the time. I like to play video games. That's where I I go when I want to escape. For some of you, it's binge watching TV. Before you think that you're high and mighty, some of us binge watch football games and basketball games. You know every stat for every player and they don't do anything to add to your life. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm excited, though. Like, my wife and I are Eagles fan. They're going to the Super Bowl. I'll just leave that there. But we have escapist behaviors, right? We're disconnected from our identity and our calling, that our priorities are out of order. Like, we are so focused on what we do that we forget who we are. Lack of care for our body. I don't have time for physical health. Isolation. This one gets me all the time. I am so exhausted. I don't want to read another text message. I don't want to respond to another email. Don't show up to my door. I don't want to be bothered by anybody. Just saying. Number 10 is a slippage of spiritual practices. Anybody in a hurry? The only reason I brought that list up was not to make you feel shame, not to make you feel guilt, but to let you know that you're not alone. And also to let you know that we have an enemy, and I want it to expose our enemy for the tactic that he's using in our generation. It's hurry. And the reality is, many of us, you didn't even recognize that we've been carrying around things for so long, and we've gotten used to it. And so I just want to spend a couple of moments and go back to what Jesus says, that we've got to actually take some of this stuff off, examine what's happening in our life, and rest. 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 
I know for many of you that's a tough word to accept. Because rest, <laughs> in some cases, you probably get angry because you see all these people and it's, we don't need to rest more, we need to work more. And for some of us, rest is our enemy. For some of us, all we do is rest. And for some of us, rest is idolatry. But you got to understand how Jesus defines rest. And so I want to go a little bit further as we look at Matthew 11, give some background, and then I want to give us some invitation that Jesus gives us. Here it is. The background of Matthew 11 is that John the Baptist, one of Jesus' homeboys, like this is his cousin. If anybody should know the way of Jesus, if anybody should actually be able to understand and discern the heart of God, it should be John the Baptist, the guy who was said to prepare the way for Jesus. If anybody should know what's happening, John would be the guy. But here we find in Matthew 11, John is in prison about to be beheaded. And he's asking Jesus the question that many of us ask, and not many of us, but all of us ask. Are you the Messiah? Or should we be looking for another one? Hey, are you the guy that I should be spending all my time serving, or is there a better way? Because, Jesus, if you would hurry up with what you're doing, I don't have to be moving so fast. Could you, could you like, speed this up? Like, what's, are you the guy, or is there somebody else? And Jesus approaches his disciples, and he tells them, hey, let John know that I'm doing what I came here to do. Let John know that I've actually done. Like, the lame are being healed. All of those who are sick are being healed. The, the blind have sight. Let them know that I'm doing what I came here to do. And when the disciples left, Jesus also said to the crowd that John is not just any old person. John is the greatest. It says, no man born to a woman is greater than John. But he says, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. In other words, what Jesus is trying to help John understand and help his disciples understand and help the people understand is that Jesus is king. And in order for us to live a fulfilling life, we have to submit to his agenda. I don't care how long you've known Jesus. It don't matter how, how many times you come to church. He's king. So we have to submit to his agenda. And then he goes and he talks to an unresponsive generation and he's telling them, hey, you guys are so interested in seeing miracle signs and wonders and those aren't bad. Those aren't bad things. But you're so interested in seeing the power of God that you've missed the presence of God. He's telling these people, you are so interested in seeing my hand that you've missed my heart. Jesus is not a genie in a bottle. He's not your sugar daddy. He's not interested in improving your life. Jesus is actually interested in transforming it. And so he goes and he shares with them, hey, what you're looking for, I've received. He continues to talk to him. He says, what you're looking for, I've received. I've spent time with my father, and I've received his rest. And I, and I alone, Jesus says in Matthew 11, he said, I'm the one who can reveal what the father has planned. I'm the way you get rest. So it's not our work. It's not the world. It's not all of the things that we think. Jesus says, I'm the way that you get rest. And as we look at this text, there are three invitations that Jesus gives us, and I want to leave you with these. Three invitations. Number one, the invitation we get is to be with Jesus. This is a beautiful invitation. 
that we get an opportunity to sit and be with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He says, you can be with me. Check this out. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The beauty in this statement is that when he's saying, come to me, what he's saying is, come bring all of who you are and experience all of who I am. Come to me. Come to me. And here's the beauty. He says, you don't have to wait. You ain't got to take a number. You don't have to stand in the, the processing or the manufacturing line. You can actually receive him right now, whether you're sitting in the building or watching online. He says, come to me. And who are the people that he invites? The people who are weary and burdened. Those are two different distinctions because weary people are weary because of what they choose to carry. But burdened people are weary because of what was placed on them. And Jesus says, whether it's been placed on you or you've been carrying it, come to me. Come to me. In other words, he says, come to me and experience transformation. I know that some of us have chemical imbalances and predispositions and, and things that we inherited and, and stuff that we wouldn't have chose at all, but we have things. And Jesus says, I, Jesus is not saying, hey, I, if you just trust me, everything will work out magically. That's not what he says. But what Jesus does say is that as you trust him, he'll work things out. So he gives you the ability to deal with the shock of your shame and then gives you the courage to walk out that healing. Come to me. Everybody who's burdened and weary, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. I need you to hear this, though. The rest that Jesus talks about, he says, I will give you rest. Did you catch that? I will give it to you. In other words, it's not something that you do. It's something that you receive. It's something that was already done for you. I love this part because we were saying, Jesus, you're all I want. And I'm thinking in my head, another, not even a better verse, but the verse that I was thinking in my head is that, Jesus, you're all I have. You're all I have. He says, come to me and receive it. Here's the beautiful thing is that the same power that actually rose Jesus from the dead now lives in us. But let me take it a step further. The same power that spoke the world into existence was the same power and the same voice that's standing and sitting on the cross saying, tetelestai, it is finished. And he says, it's finished. It's finished. And the thing is, because it's finished, now you can rest. You ain't got to do it. It's not in your control anyway. You can rest. The decisions that you're trying to make, the things you're trying to figure out, Jesus says, it's finished. And I love this because Jesus is not looking at us with pointed fingers or a raised fist, but he's looking at us with open arms. He says, just receive. If you would receive my love. If you would receive my grace, if you would receive, just come to me and you'll find rest. But he goes on, the invitation is that we get an opportunity to be with Jesus, that we can actually unpack our lives before Jesus. And he gives us everything we need. But the other invitation is that we can be like Jesus. This is so beautiful. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. In other words, watch how I do it. Let me show you a better way to live, and you will find rest for your souls. 
Here's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about this thing called a yoke. Yoke is something that we might be familiar with, but it's this word zygos. And zygos is to join together, a coupling together, but it, it literally means the balance beam that connects the scale. So the thing that is across the oxen's neck is a yoke. And an oxen, these two oxen would have yoke, and it would allow them to pull heavy loads together. So it would allow for the heavy loads to become easier, but the only way the heavy load becomes easier is if they're pulling together. I need you to understand that Jesus says, now take my yoke upon you. That if you're looking for the heavy load to be easier, it's not necessarily going to change overnight. But if you're looking for a way to actually get through the heavy load, you have to pull it together with him. Zygos. And what he's getting at is this yoke is an obligation to a way of doing things. And I love Jesus because he always is giving us an exchange. And the exchange here is that you bring all of who you are, bring all of your life, and now let me give you my way. And what he's saying is that his way is so much better. Jesus lived better. And in order for us to experience the better way, we've got to live that way. Here's what Jesus did. I love this because Jesus live very differently than what we're used to. When you think of a rabbi, when you think of someone who is changing the world, Jesus, like you wouldn't think of Jesus necessarily, but I want you to hear his resume just for a second. That Jesus had three years to fulfill the assignment that God had given him. Three years to start the movement of Christianity. Three years to actually bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth. Three years, and you and I, over 2,000 years, are still talking about him. I need you to understand that Jesus was the busiest man on the planet, but he wasn't hurried. How? He's the busiest man on the planet, but yet he had time for meaningful relationships. Busiest man on the planet doing purposeful work. He faced uh, tough emotions. Didn't, he didn't escape from those emotions, but he engaged in those emotions. Grief, sorrow, joy. Busiest man on the planet. Jesus even had time to party. Oh boy, was the life of the party. He was changing water into wine. He had time to actually have meaningful relationships and what felt like a full life. How? Because he lived differently. Let me press just a little bit that Jesus lived by a very different framework. See, the folks of that day they all had yokes. Everybody here, you have a yoke that you turn to or live under. Your parents, your, your church, your restaurant, everybody has a way or a way of doing things. And this yoke is an obligation to that way. And so Jesus is saying, let me give you another way of living. And what he would do is that instead of reordering his life around the things of God, Jesus would reorder his life around the heart of God. See, he was, Jesus said everybody can show up in the temple. All the Pharisees could do that. All the Sadducees could reorder their life around the things of God. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to reorder my life around the heart of God. So his practices look different. And this is what the uh, contemplative Christians would say is practicing the way. Here are a few suggestions for you, and I want to make sure it's practical for you. Here's a framework that Jesus lived by. Number one he invested 24 hours in Sabbath. 
Sabbath. I know for some of us that is like a, a grenade in the room. Sabbath, I don't want to do that. But the reality is Jesus actually took a 24-hour period of time to stop, delight in God, to rest in God, and to worship him. How do you think he was so able to do everything he was able, wanted to do? Because he actually took time to rest and spend time with the Lord. The second thing is Jesus spent time fasting. He would intentionally do away with things to see what actually was gripping his heart. He would actually spend time, like, I don't need you to think about this for a second, that fasting is to do away with things, to abstain with things, to see what has claws in your heart. What do you go to when things are not working out? What do you go to when things don't look like you think they should? And fasting allows you to say, wait, maybe I'm trusting in that a little too much. Jesus had a committed time to prayer. He would actually spend time just hearing the Father's heart. And remember him in the garden, Father, if it be your will, take this cup. This is not my will, but yours be done. I'm only here doing what my Father has called me to do. He spent time in prayer to understand the Father's heart, and then he spent time in solitude. This is so important for us, ministry leaders, folks that are pastors. Solitude is so important for us because what happens is we need often a change of pace and a change of place in order for us to have a change of perspective. That's not original. I think that's like Mark Batterson or somebody. But the reality is that we need a change of perspective so that we can go and love the people God has called us to better. Solitude. And the last one was this scripture. Jesus spent so much time because he was the word of God. His very lifeblood, how he lived, was connected to the very word of God. Who's the loudest voice in your ear? What I want us to understand is that Jesus invites us to bring our entire life towards him and to put it under his yoke. His way is better. Here's the third invitation. We have first to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus. And the third invitation is to do what Jesus did. He says, you're, even, you're gonna do even greater things to do what Jesus did. I love this. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, life in Christ is not about avoiding things. It's not about escaping things. When I say yes to Jesus, it's not about finding some Christian bubble to go to. But life in Christ is about fully engaging. It's about seeing the demands of this reality and knowing that I have a power that's so much greater. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do what Jesus did. Life in Christ is about choosing his way despite all the other ways that there are. What Jesus is getting at is that there are other yokes you can live under. There, are, there will be burdens that you will have, but I'm inviting you to live differently. Every single day, family, we get an opportunity to live differently. And Jesus invites us to do what he did. And what Jesus did is that he lived at the pace of grace. He lived at the pace of grace. Lord, if you want me to do this, I'll do that. You don't want me to do that? I'll do that. I won't do that. You want me to pick this up? Okay, great. You want me to put this down? Okay, great. Let me make it simple. What if we were to live at the pace of grace? That because of Jesus, I have the opportunity 
to pick this up, because of Jesus, I can put this down. The idea that Jesus invites us to rest. And this rest is so powerful. And I want to I lead us here. I want to kind of land the plane um, just for a moment and invite the band up. And I just want to illustrate this for a moment for us. I want to illustrate this. That what's interesting is that when we follow Jesus, it's important for us to understand that there are things that he is inviting us to unpack. That I want us to slow down just for a moment. I know you got places to be, I got places to be, but if we could slow down for a moment and understand what it is we're carrying. As I think about this huge book bag, you know, sometimes what stops us from actually resting in Jesus is the stuff that we're carrying. Things like loneliness. Some of you came here, and this is the first time all week that you've been around people. Some of you even watching online, we've walked out of a, we're still walking through a pandemic. And the challenge is, you're trying to figure out who are my friends. You've isolated yourself so much that now you're lonely. There's other things in here too. Things like anxiety. I don't know about you, but I, my, my life has been shifted and changed over the last couple of years, and I haven't gotten over it yet. I'm feeling a little anxious because there's some things that are out of my control, and as much as I'd want them to be in my control, it's not. And I'm feeling anxious. But there's some other things that are happening here. This is probably one of the bigger ones, the bigger books. This, this has probably multiple volumes in my life. Shame. It's the things that were done to you, the things that people did, the things that you did, and now you're carrying shame because of it. Jesus says, I need you to come and rest in my presence, but every time you come into Jesus' presence, you're walking with your head down because of the shame. We need to know that we're carrying this. (laughs) The other things that are in there is the unforgiveness. I know I should be forgiving these folks. I know I got Jesus I love New Life Church. They say that you may have Jesus in your life, but you've got granddaddy in your bones. And you're holding on to things that should have been gone a generation ago. Unforgiveness. And there's so many other things in this bag. I won't get into it because what I want you to do is that as you begin to unpack this bag, you realize that there's something else that you've been avoiding. That this whole time, Jesus is saying, yes, there is baggage here. Yes, there are things here. Yes, there are things that you need to get rid of. But there are also some things that I've given you. It may not seem like a lot, but I need you to see this. It may not seem like a lot, But Jesus says, you've got my fruit. In my presence, you've got peace, you've got joy, you've got gentleness, you've got goodness, you've got kindness, you've got self-control. Jesus says, in my presence, you've got everything you need. And all I want you to do is that you don't have to get all riled up. You don't have to have all the answers. All I want you to do is slow down long enough to just take a bite. taste and see that the Lord is good. Slow down long enough to know that God is for you and not against you. Slow down long enough to know that his finger is not pointed at you, but his arms are wide open for you. Would you rest in his presence today?
Can I invite us to pray together? I invite you to stand on your feet as well. Father, we are so grateful for how faithful you are. Lord, as we get ready to go back into worship, as we get ready to just reflect on what you're doing in our heart, I pray, Father, that we would actually take a bite, taste and see, that we would slow down long enough that you, <laughs> that you're for us, that you're with us. God, that we would slow down long enough to know that we can rest in your presence. You're not abandoning us. You haven't betrayed us, but you're here with us. And to that, Lord, we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Move in our lives right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.